Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. (laughs) All right, like one second before we started, I was like, so what's the deal? Do you believe Rinna? And Isabel was like, I'm actually going to refrain from talking until the mics are on. So, so can you can you answer that question now that the mic's on? Okay. I was going to say, I think we should start our Beverly Hills segment with just solely what we believe and what we think is going on. Like the fuck here? Because <laughs> this is just simply not what I was expecting, nor what I signed up for. My personal take is that I believe Kathy had an absolute meltdown. We've seen shadows of the dark side of her, and I just know it's in her. And I think she had a mental breakdown in some capacity. I believe she said a lot of really dark things about Kyle and the show and the other women, whether it's in a fit of rage or not. It was like her moment and her guts sort of spilled out and like not not drunk words or sober thoughts, but almost in that same vein. There were a lot of articles when this actually happened in real time sort of saying other things that went down, which don't come up in this episode. So I want to table that for a second because I think it's important. I think Rinna really is milking this. I think, sure, was she shaken up? She was not expecting this from Kathy Hilton. Was she rocked by this whole fit? Yes. But I think she is totally milking it for everything it's worth. I think something about the Hilton Richard sisters, she just likes to get involved and meddle in. And I think her leaving Crystal's party was very dramatic, especially, I mean, all Twitter has been talking about for the last couple of days is how Rinna has had meltdowns of her own. She threw the glass at Kim Richards in Amsterdam, even just a couple of weeks ago when she was screaming at Sutton to get out of her house. It's not like she's a stranger to this behavior or this family of behavior. And 
it feels like she was loving every second of it and wanted to make sure that because it wasn't filmed, we all knew just how bad and disturbing that this was with Kathy. Right. Like, no part of me is- <laughs> You agree with all that? Well, yeah, I was listening really intently to what you said. I was sitting here. I mean, yeah, I am not doubting that something went down. I don't think that Rinna just made this up out of thin air. But Jesus, I mean, I, I, it's honestly, my frustration isn't even at anyone in specific. It's just like, I do not want to subscribe to a situation where what is being talked about wasn't seen. Because- now what? Like now we're all just, you know, have to fend for ourselves and kind of have to decide based on what sounds a little bit most convincing in the confessional. This is like the antithesis of a reality show. Yeah. And it's hard because like, for me, what made it the most, I guess, validated is when Diana was saying it to Erica. I know it has nothing to do with Diana. It just has to do with her position in the group and also her being such good friends with Kathy and sort of thrown into the situation she has no reason to make that up or say yeah kathy was raging i've never seen her like that i've known her such a long time like that to me made it more legit i think people on twitter and instagram who are saying rinna is such an unreliable narrator and she made this up and she's just trying to get back like i don't think rinna could make something like this up because it would be so easily deniable and we know that this like sort of feels like it could happen but I feel like Rinna, as of right now, I mean, who's to say what will happen? But as of right now, she's really holding back. She's sparing these details. She's not telling us exactly what she said about Kyle, except I'm going to take the family down in Bravo and NBC. Like, I need to know details. I need to know more. I need to know what she said. I need to know, was it because of the conga line? Like, was it because of the 818 tequila thing? Again, how did we get from earlier that day, her flipping out in Kimo Sabe about Rinna asking to try Kendall's tequila over hers to now Rinna is the one taking her home, consoling her, and is also now the one that is stuck with this, quote, secret. I mean, there's a text Rinna shares where Kathy sent her, like, silence is golden. You know, I'm going to keep this on the DL. Basically, saying you should do the same too. And it's like, how did we get here? How did we not have it on footage? And now this is going to be the storyline of the rest of the season. And we have very vague details of what happened, except Kathy was mad. I have confidence that it's going to pick up next week. But honestly, if I'm Bravo, I think this week needed to be Lisa confronting Kathy. Like everything that happened in this episode easily could have been 20 minutes and then the rest could have been the conversation where it's actually being addressed. Because what? We got one kind of meaningful or legitimate conversation between Erica and Diana where we're getting some details. But then we have 20 minutes for Dorit and Erica in a chocolate shop. Like if this really went down, I don't give a shit about Rena's confessional. I want to hear her saying it to Kathy because I feel like now the best thing that I can judge is the way that Kathy's responding. That is honestly the most telling, right? Like right now we have nothing. All we have is what we're seeing on the episode, which is a whole lot of nothing. And then Kathy's stories. <laughs> right. No, I, I just think it didn't translate. I would have been happy with a Rinna and Kyle conversation larger than that brief chit chat that went down on the plane. If this was as bad as Rinna is claiming it was and all of them know it, the plane ride I thought was going to be like this whole holy shit the morning after debrief. And it just didn't feel like that in the slightest. It was sort of like, oh yeah, like let's talk about that. She was so mad. I don't know. She's still in my house. Okay, great. Bye. Like nothing happened. Then 
again, like you said, I think the producers, because they know actually how bad it was, I think, thought that this episode would be so dramatic and like this whole come down and Rina explaining the experience. And it just didn't come off that way. It didn't translate. I didn't feel the gravity of it. I was so excited and I think it had the potential, but it sort of fell flat because all we're seeing is how shaken up and how Rena has quote PTSD from Kathy's meltdown. Like, look, I am not denying that it was probably scary. It was probably a little bit traumatizing. It definitely shook her up. It was something she was not expecting or has seen before and she had to handle it. And probably also in the back of her mind is thinking like, I am really close to Kyle. I've had a lot of issues with Kim Richards in the past. Like, I get it. A lot of it is crazy. But us as the viewers, I literally just was like, and, and, tell me more, tell me more. Like, put me in the moment. And I just feel like, honestly, if I'm being honest, this whole thing could have changed if it wasn't Kathy Hilton. I think Rinna is scared of Kathy. She's scared of her status, her money, her influence, her status in society, just who she is as a person. So she's able to say, yes, she freaked out. She raged, but she's not spilling the dirty details yet because I think there's definitely a fear inside of her. And even when Diana is like clucking like a chicken, like say what you want, but she's right. Rinna did chicken out a little. She left early. That is not Rinna behavior. That's not the Rinna that I know at least. Well, okay, two really important things there. I think that at this moment in time when the episode was filmed, yes, I very much think she was a little bit frozen by the – I mean, assuming this is all relatively accurate. Let's just go with that for purposes of the discussion. I do think she was a little bit frozen by the status thing, but obviously that's contrasted with current day, which is she's just going for it, you know, like all over yeah. social. I feel like Rina's whole page has become an ode to taking down Kathy. But second, which is important, is in that one confessional with Dorit when she's saying, you know, listen, there's a certain kind of unspoken rule in this town where when you have a certain level of status and money, you know, people don't want to fuck with you basically, which is very true. But th- there was something that was so validating hearing Dorit say it because we've seen she plays to that you know she'll play to Diana a little she'll play to Kathy a little like even though Dorit herself is an elite she recognizes that there's levels to this shit and so hearing her say it like it doesn't excuse anything but it it (laughs) at least it was like she's saying it out loud right no I think the self-awareness is there to say I know I'm not Kathy Hilton. I'm new to the show. I'm new to this like town and fame and all that. And you are Kathy motherfucking Hilton. Like your daughter invented being a celebrity. So I I think she just is very aware of that. And I think it was sort of her subtle way without calling Rinna out to say, you know, we're not dealing like a neck and neck kind of battle here. It is kind of an uneven playing field and it puts Rinna at a big disadvantage. And that's why she's acting very different than we've normally seen her act when she deals with situations like this. Right. I mean, listen, let's say this whole thing was filmed and it really went down in this way. I am, as much as I really like Kathy thus far, I am fully willing to have my mind totally flipped. Like if this was documented, I would totally come on here and be like, damn, that was wild. And it really changed my entire opinion. I'm not so firm in the ground on Kathy Hilton where I can't see a change. It's just like, you're asking a lot of us when we already really like Kathy. There's already been some questionable stuff with Rinna. Like it's a really hard sell. That's how I feel.
I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, I have to assume you like celebrities and who doesn't love Jeopardy? So the show I have for you really is the best of both worlds. It's Celebrity Jeopardy on ABC. And it's really the OG Jeopardy, but with celebrities. So first of all, it's hosted by Maya Bialik, who is exceptional. And it's really a star-studded cast of about 27 celebrities, just to name a few. Simu Liu, Eliza Schlesinger, Constance Wu, Ray Romano, Michael Sarah, BJ Novak, Patton Oswalt, Candace Parker, Jalen Rose, Ike Barinholtz, Hassan Minaj, Andy Richter, Reggie Watts, John Michael Higgins, a lot of really good people. And the format's a little bit different. So it's a new format compared to its predecessor. 13-week tournament. It's an hour-long show instead of 30 minutes, which I always feel like 30 minutes is too short, so that's perfect. Three quarterfinal matches and one semifinal. Episode 13 will feature winners of the three semifinals. And then it will also feature a triple jeopardy round for the first time ever in the history of the franchise. Also, it's a massive payday. It's a million-dollar grand prize that will go to the celebrity who wins and the charity of their choice. And they really are put under the same kind of pressure as Jeopardy! contestants. So watch the series premiere of Celebrity Jeopardy! Sunday at 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I know everybody who listens to us like on a regular basis is going to probably change the channel right now, but I have to say... For like my last disclaimer for now, if you haven't watched Paris in Love, Paris's show on Peacock Mm -hmm. about her planning her wedding, Kathy is a huge part of it. And it is – if Beverly Hills Housewives is the yin, watching her on Paris in Love is the yang. You see a completely different side of her. And I feel like between watching the two shows, you really get to know her as a person, her personality, how she is who she is, how she's become what she's become. Because I think if you've only watched Housewives, you have such a specific view of Kathy that she's just this like ditzy, silly, slipping on the ice, can't say an idiom kind of woman. And that is not her. That is like such a small slice of the pie. And so I think... I honestly feel bad for people who only know her as that or only watch the show just like face value, I guess, like quote, normal viewers who aren't taking one, two, three, four, five steps deeper and going deep on social or going and watching all these shows. Because imagine the whiplash they must have going from last season where she's just like the hunky-dory, funny comedian in the corner who makes all the the, the jokes and the comments that everyone laughs at to now what she's having a mental breakdown rage and has all this anger inside of her. H- how did we get from A to B? Well, I mean, first of all, yes, I, I know you will say that to anyone who listens, but I am so on your page. I think Paris and Love was one of my favorite reality shows ever. But <laughs> like hypothetically, if I'm Rinna, I am signing people up for Peacock just to watch Paris and Love to see that side of Kathy, not because it's vicious, not because it's at all similar to what she's describing, but it at least shows you that like she may be capable of it. Whereas the Kathy yes. Hilton you see on Beverly Hills, the capability is, doesn't even feel like it's there. You're right. It's a very, very different side. It's just I'm tell- it's just a hard sell. I'm not saying nothing happened. I, I truly do not believe Lisa made this up out of thin air. That's that's just wild to me. We already knew she was pissed. She's a lot of deeply buried stuff towards Kyle, but come on. Like what do you what do you want from us? We're we're, we're just trying to be entertained. I know Rena was really taking this like narrative far when she was like Kathy just is mad that Kyle has so much more fame than her and Kathy wants what Kyle has. Like look, 
I'm not saying they both don't have certain things that the other one may want, but like, I don't think Kathy's like jealous of Kyle's fame. So that whole thing, I just think Rinna gets really caught up in like the dramatics of it. And really, you know, when she was swaying away from telling the facts of the story and getting into her whole analysis of it, I'm like, oh yeah, butter me up, Rinna. Like I was loving every second of it because you just have to take it with a grain of salt. And it also makes me happy that we really are going to get a sit down with Kyle, Kathy, Rinna, because I think if it was only two on two, like Kyle and Rinna, Rinna and Kathy, Kathy and Kyle, there there's missed connections there. So the three of them together is really important to getting like a full fledged story and also hopefully praying, you know, getting things to a good place with Kathy and Kyle, because it hurts my heart so much when they're in a bad place. Let me tell you, I believe that if, let's say, this fit of rage happened, I believe that a lot of it probably was Kyle-focused because, like we said, you know, this shit runs deep and there's just like a certain energy that can come from a sibling dynamic. I don't think Kathy's spewing about the rest of them. I think that the ambiguity that Rinna has presented this with in terms of what she was saying about the other women is maybe to, like, gather the troops against Kathy because right to me if you ask me right now like I would say Kathy was probably going off about Kyle way more than anyone else I think it's possible she was saying things about like the show and the cast like not specific she wasn't just randomly like oh Dorit this 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 like I think she barely like knows Dorit I think she was more saying like I'm not even friends with this group I don't care about them nobody knows who I am like I'm making that up but I think it was more generalized statements about the group and the show and the group dynamic and the respect levels that's personally when I'm filling in the blanks what I see in my mind but I mean who's to say we could look back at this in three weeks and hear that she said very specific things she doesn't like about certain women or secrets that she knows about them or who who knows? I mean, somebody knows, and it's only Rinna, and we just got to get it out of her. Yeah, I, it'll. We I think that we will feel, or at least I will feel, much more fulfilled when I actually see Rinna and Kathy interact. Yeah. That's what I need to see because it's not even about what Rinna says. Really, it's about how Kathy reacts. Totally, totally. Yeah. Also, just in terms of the Kathy Kyle comparison, which I hate because it feels so irrelevant. Like I don't think jealousy in terms of status and money is like a factor, but you know, they're both rolling in it. Like they are both doing very well for themselves. And I honestly think, you know, Mauricio does super, super well. I'm sure that on some levels he's almost maybe are approaching on par with the Hiltons, but it's not to the point where the difference is so large that it would even be issue causing, you know? Right. I also thought it was so interesting that we really don't hear anything from Kathy the whole episode until they give her a confessional at the end. And she sort of is like, Rinna's going through a lot with her mom. I don't think she left because of me. I think she's just overwhelmed. And she she like says something about the toe that broke the camel's back. And it's like in a very serious sentence so the producers can't jump in and be like it's the straw like you're thinking of camel toe so that's just also just so classic that you can't even just deny that both sides of her can exist i know well it's so funny because when 
when Kathy's explaining it, she's like, yeah, you know, I was a little bit pissed and, and Rinna was very kind. She, she sat there kind of quietly. It's like either she is the absolute greatest gaslighter of all time, like literally the goat of gaslighting, or she has a very genuinely different interpretation of the situation than Rinna does. I know. Ren Rinna says, I've seen the devil and her name is Kathy Hilton. Like, you know, she was just sitting before this confessional really brewing and coming up with like if i was gonna name a novel about this night what would it be like how how dramatic can i make this confessional so i know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup like i have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done i have others who know nothing about any products and then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. You know, the other thing that I, it's just so minor, but I just wanted to mention, I loved the Erica and Garcelle interaction. It was brief. It was to the point. I think that they both handled it perfectly. I think Erica is absolutely allowed to feel that she wishes Garcelle gave her heads up. I think Garcelle is a class act through and through and was like, you know what? You're hurt and I'm sorry. Like just how beautiful. Wait, no, someone else took over Erica Jane's body. Do you not think so? I was like, who is sitting in Crystal's new basement right now, because that is not the Erica that I have known, that I have seen in the last couple of years, <laughs> like handling things like that. I'm telling you, it's only because it was specifically Garcelle. 
it all depends on who's on the receiving end and the level of respect that Erica has for them. And also just like how she's feeling in those 30 seconds, because easily if that had come up like in Aspen, she could have flipped the fuck out, but it, it just like Garcelle happened to catch her at a good moment. And I think she breathed a little sigh of relief that that's how it went over because you could tell when Cherie was at her house before she was thinking about it. And it was definitely like, hanging over her head how that was going to go down if anything was going to go down oh totally which by the way can we just spend like 30 seconds on crystal's basement stunning stunning i was stalking the interior designer that she tagged in instagram (laughs) of course (laughs) yeah duh. no i mean she just did a really good job and also if you look at the photo that she posted like that entire wall is casa del sol yeah no i mean they did such a good job but i will say the party felt a little, <laughs> a little, yeah, like the saddest party ever. And I don't think that was like her actual birthday party, especially because it was literally just like five of the castmates and her brother in the basement, which by the way, they can't even like dim the lights because they're filming, which I don't even get me started on because I'm a lighting freak. So the idea of having to be on Housewives where you can't turn the lights off at your parties, like when Ramona... No, what haunts my dreams is Ramona Singer I having, I think it was her 60th birthday. She had like a hundred women, ballroom, florals, custom bar, and they had to keep the lights on 100% capacity. I wanted to crawl out of my skin and die. I, I know you did. And I will tell you that if God forbid, like, you know, Instagram no longer existed, podcast no longer existed, we need to get a new career tomorrow. I genuinely think you could be hired as a lighting consultant for a lot of different situations, but specifically, I'm going to tell you guys something that Isabel excels at in a way I have never met from any other person. If you're having a person come over to your apartment or your house, in my case, if I'm having a guy come over, this has happened a time or two, Isabel will be there before and she will set that lighting to the absolute perfect setting so that wherever you are sitting, whether it's on the couch, at the bar stool, at the table, on the bed, it just hits you perfectly. <laughs> It's not too dark, not too light. It's soft. It's a, I, I literally think that you are born to be a lighting consultant. Thank you so much. So now imagine my anxiety. Like I have to have the lighting in my room perfect right now just for us to record. Like this is my record settings of my lighting. So imagine the anxiety of Crystal and everybody sitting in the basement with the harsh overhead lights and there's only like five people there. I mean, forget it. I felt really bad. And then they like one candle on the little cake. No one sings happy birthday and they leave. It just, it's like, we're not buying it. If it's fun, it's great. But like, there's no glitz. There's no glamour. We don't need to force the party. I'd rather them all be sitting around in their sweats at that point and just chat and get what needs to happen done. I know, but you know, one, we got to see the basement, which I'm always yeah. happy about. So that, that was really fun and whatever. It gave us some good memes. Like there was that one I saw today of, uh, the night before versus the next day. And it's like Erica on the left. And I think it was like Tom Sandoval on the right. Like, you know, we got some content. Yeah, no. I mean, I love Crystal's house a lot. So I was just happy to be there. I love being in Rob Minkoff's office with like the Lion King memorabilia. So I can't complain. I I love things like that because it really reminds you, like show aside the rooting that a lot of these people have like in – the arts of Hollywood. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. he, he's a, like, he's, he's a legit. Big deal. Yeah. He's legit. Like he is a big deal. Wait, you know what I wanted to say? What? So when, um, 
Dorit and Garcelle were on Watch What Happens. Also, I didn't say this earlier. Like, I'm just so self-conscious about hearing myself talk. I, I don't know. Maybe you can't even hear it that much. I have a really bad cold, and I'm sorry that I sound like this. I know it's probably annoying to listen to. I'm just like, <laughs> there's nothing else I can do. Um, when Dorit and Garcelle are on Watch What Happens, and one of the virtual audience members asks her about the Mauricio rumors, and then PK's in the audience, I was like, I, I hate that it happens for her sake, but Oh my God, watching her answer that for some reason was so gratifying. Yeah, no, it was. Because also sometimes I feel like once things make it to watch what happens live, even though they're answering them, it almost like takes the air out of the tires of Mm -hmm. like, okay, we can laugh about it. It's not that serious that I can't ask you about it on live TV. Like if there was like really any gravity to it or truth behind it or anyone thought it was like real, real, real – they wouldn't just throw it at her like while she's sitting there, you know, in a sparkly outfit drinking a cocktail. Like that's like a a whole different set of rules. Can I say something honestly? I, I know we've spoken about this before. We had to have when this episode aired, but like I still think about when I don't know what, what trip they were on, and Kyle says how they were at a black tie gala, and she sat on Mauricio's lap in her gown, <laughs> and like they literally not like had sex, sex, but. There no, was they some, had sex at a they table. Like, like to me, that is one of the wildest. Like, and I say this literally zero judgment. I actually have now inserted it into my list of like fantasies that I don't actually want to do, but I genuinely think is like so hot. Like, I, I that is so bold. No, we reference that an inappropriate amount of times. Like, I have referenced literally- that in sex. I have referenced that in sex <laughs> with guys. I'm not kidding. I literally have channeled Kyle Richards when talking to men about like potential fantasy. I think it is the hottest thing in theory. No, like we are literally on a nine hour flight and like someone sitting on someone's lap across the aisle. I'm like, oh, big Kyle Mauricio <laughs> at a black tie event energy. <laughs> What else do you want to mention from this episode? Anything or you want to go to Atlanta? I mean, that's really all that happened. It was sort of just like this long, dramatic Rinna confessional filled in with some other filler scenes of like Erica and Dorita Comparte with the chocolatier who it was the best day of his life. He's a big Beverly Hills fan and he was just happy to be there. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have hope for next week. I'm interested. I'm hooked. I'm, it's all not to say I am not excited and very intrigued by this storyline i just like need a little more to chew on yeah certainly need more to chew on and yeah i was happy for that guy because i could tell how happy he was you know yeah no that was like the only good part of that scene the wait is over that's right season five of the kardashians is here just when you thought life couldn't get any faster they're punching it into overdrive Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. 
You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. I got to be honest, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I kind of feel like moving forward as a general rule of thumb on Bravo, pretty much all reunions could probably be two parts. Because even when they're really, really juicy, there's so much fluff. You know, yeah. like, you know how I feel about Atlanta. I, I adore these women. I just feel like it's kind of how I felt about New York a few seasons ago in terms of like, we could have done this in two parts for sure. I, I agree with you. I think three parts, it needs to be like, full content, crazy, explosive season. I mean, we've gotten to four parts, which still, again, I don't think is necessary. Like we don't need to talk about some of the silly stuff. I'm not here to address that. I guess they have to break it up somehow, but I always find that a part two usually falls flatter because they edited it with kind of like the less interesting. It's not the part one, which has to start with a bang and it's not the finale. So it all sort of sinks in the middle. And I just, I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of this stuff already and it was stuff that I was not super interested this week. And I loved this season. I think it was a really funny, interesting, strong season. And this cast is pretty perfect in my opinion that it it was disappointing. You know, that's, that's all I have to say. I, came out of it. I enjoyed watching every second. I just don't have that much to like say about it. Yeah. That, I think that's also what it is. It's like, I, I've lost the ability to, to watch these shows solely as a viewer. Cause I'm always thinking about it from like the commentating perspective. And I don't feel like I have a hell of a lot to say, even though I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, the Marlo and Kenya stuff, I think at the end of the day, if you really said to me, you can only choose one, like my loyalty is to Kenya. And I do think that this reunion, while totally legitimate in what she was saying, was a slight kind of like redemption tour for Marlo. Like I think, you know, let's not pretend like she's never said anything mean or vicious to Kenya, but Kenya was not buying what she was selling here. Like Kenya was really not holding back. So I could totally see an argument being made for like, no, you know, Kenya was unfairly coming for her, but I I don't think that that was really the case as much as I think Kenya has a lot of built up hurt towards her. Yeah, I think it's like impossible for them to get into in this part of the reunion when it's so many years deep and there've been so many like little things and also big things that have affected their relationship and they're both in such different places now that it it can't be boiled down to just like some simple conversations they had this year. It just can't. And I'm glad they're able to like speak maturely and figure it out in this way now, but It's like, you know, how can you dig that deep into history, especially all these years when Kenya was on and off, Marlo wasn't doing a full-time housewife, so we weren't digging deep each year into it. You know, Marlo wasn't at all of the reunions or getting to tell her side of the story in a confessional. So it definitely makes that dynamic much harder to kind of get into and put in a small package to show before they speak. Yeah, and and when Marlo says that she feels like Kenya dismisses her, 
Kenya kind of does dismiss her, but I honestly think that's because Kenya feels like Marlo has hit below the belt so many times that like the dismissiveness, yes, of course, part of it is petty and she's wanting to get back at her, but I feel like she doesn't feel entirely emotionally safe with Marlo. Mm. Like that one, I don't remember exactly what it was, but that one comment that Marlo made towards Kenya about like, that's why your mom didn't want you or something. Yeah. I think that one, I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe that's not, I feel like that one really hit her. I think that's when Kenya realized like, oh, there are no limits. Like even if we get to a place where I feel like Marlo respects me and at the end of the day, you know, whatever, women to women and castmates, like I think she realized, oh, there are no boundaries. Like you're willing to stoop that low, then game over. Yeah. And clearly that's the energy that Kenya was giving here because I think like – after, you know, Marlo got really deep, like we were talking about last week, I would say momentarily, at least the rest of the women were kind of like taking that in and maybe going a little bit easier, whether or not they should have, I don't know. But Kenya was just not, not into it. No, she, she wasn't at all. I think she's given it so much effort over the years and realizes like there's not even like a light at the end of the tunnel anymore. Yeah. And also a continuation to the Drew and Sonny conversation we were having last week. <laughs> It's not that I feel that Drew has bad intentions. I really don't. I just think that she has some really flawed belief systems that like come out in really unfortunate ways. Yeah. Like when she's saying to Sonya, you know, well, listen, if, if you're not going to have another baby, someone else will. It's like, I, I don't think she says that to be mean. To me, it's, it's kind of sad. It's like that viewpoint I just think doesn't center a woman's desire um, or like – independence that in a way that I would hope she would get more in touch with you know it's like it's personal like if it works for her, it works for her but I think to then use that belief system to judge someone else's actions or the way that they're feeling is like entirely an unfair thing to do right it, it almost shocks me when she has these like antiquated points of views because it, I don't know it just like doesn't feel like it matches what I would expect her to say about certain things and it also gets me thinking about her relationship with Ralph and how these viewpoints and whatever are probably really a lot to do with like being around him all the time and how they work in their relationship. And maybe that's why they've been able to work at all. And maybe his beliefs sort of rubbing off on her or making her her stronger in them. I don't know. I just, I think it all is completely tied together. And I hope she was able to understand the point when they had this conversation now in hindsight. I mean, you know, let's not forget for the last few episodes, Ralph hasn't been looking so bad. Okay. If I was just coming in fresh, maybe I wouldn't have such strong feelings. I didn't forget about Tampa though. Like I didn't forget about the hell that was last season and a lot of this season, but like I'm, I'm out on Ralph in a way in which it's not entirely irreversible necessarily, but like, what's the best way to put this? I can't, fully get on board with anything that Drew says in terms of her view on someone else's relationship because I think that it's like a major league glass house. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to take a lot more than him just bringing an ice pack out of the freezer for me to get on board. Right. Like I'm I'm not a jumping ship so fast. No. Yeah. (laughs) Not Sheree FaceTiming Anthony. There's, there is nothing funnier than Andy Cohen when he is not interested in the direction that a conversation is going. He will get right on in there. He's either going to answer that FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah, he will answer it. He will hang up on it. He will dive more into it. Like, it's very funny. I just 
don't care about Anthony. I don't really even know what we're fighting about. Anthony clearly is a shady motherfucker. And Mm -hmm. him sitting at home, FaceTiming into the Atlanta reunion, literally shitting his pants because both of his, quote, former bosses are sitting there and discussing what he said to either one of them about the other. And then, you know, doubling down and saying, like, I don't recall, but it's possible I said that. Or, no, I never said that, but actually maybe I said something like it. I mean, and then he just gets hung up on and he's sitting alone in his quiet room and has to, like, think about the potential consequences of his actions. I mean, <laughs> like, why they should have brought him out. That would have been more interesting. <laughs> Andy would have never allowed that. I mean, when when he says, you know, no, but I do think that Drew needs a storyline, that's when you knew the whole thing was manufactured. The second he said that, that's when him and Sheree planned that. I didn't necessarily feel like it was planted by him and Sheree. I just felt like you could tell this guy is a pot stirrer and was just people pleasing. Whoever's in front of him, he's going to be on their side and suck up to them and He wanted his 15 minutes, and you know what? He got it. He got his own section at the reunion. He got hung up on by Andy Cohen, and I think that's really all you could ask for. Yeah, I think for him he had a good day. Me too. And not as good a day as the guy at the Comparte Chocolate Factory, but definitely a good day. No, that was the best day of the guy's year for sure. (laughs) Maybe his life. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, hold on. We have to go back to an important element of the Marlo and Kenya situation, which is – Kenya bringing up Marlo's quote real name and the arrest record like to me and I know you know her people her people to me that's low like that I'm not on board with I I think that that actually cheapens Kenya's stance even though I know Marlo has gone really low in the past I just I I hated that am I alone in that no I think you're right it does cheapen her argument because like we said before, once she saw Marlo go as low as she did with her, it changed everything. So now I think she feels like, well, all bets are off. You know, we're going to go below the belt. I understand it though, because it's probably too tempting and too hard not to like show all your cards when the moment presents itself. But I wish she had just shown restraint and not gone down to her level and almost like been an example of the way that she wants to be treated. Like treat people how you want to be treated. I know it's so silly, but it's true. Like I really wanted Kenya in that moment to say like, look, this is how you can do it. I know all this shit on you and I wouldn't say it. Yeah. And I also think like Marlo has done so much in current day to piss you off and that you can be genuinely upset and critical of. Like why do we need to go back 30 years, right? Like she has worked so hard to – kind of get away from that. I mean, obviously she always carries it with her in the sense that I think it's been really motivating for her. But like, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't love that. And I, you could see Marla was really pissed. Like more than pissed, like I, I think she was appalled and like it, it hit, it struck a nerve for her, you know? Right. Like aside from it cheapening her argument, it also was completely irrelevant and didn't even add anything. So she, it was co- kind of a lose-lose. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. 
And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. This is a pretty anticlimactic episode of Southern Charm, but that one brief moment where Naomi and Whitney kissed, <laughs> take me out. Sparks were flying. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, <laughs> the way it feels like if they weren't really hooking up, she wouldn't have been so comfortable to just like grab his neck and start literally sticking her tongue down his throat and him completely reciprocating, you know? Like, he's not smooth like that. And I just, I felt it. I don't know if I felt it or if I just like needed it to happen. Like I I told you, my curiosity was taking me over so to actually see it. And it wasn't just us. I think Austin and Olivia were also us in that situation of like, holy shit, this is real. They felt probably so lucky that they got to witness it. Obviously, I know there's a whole camera crew there, but it's almost like when you're just like a boy-girl like party and there's like a seven minutes in heaven and you catch the two people kissing. It's like, holy shit, I saw it. Like you run off to the other friends. I was so jealous of them, even though I was on the other side watching it. I just felt like, oh my God, you guys like saw a unicorn. I know. I know. Wait. Okay. Let's let's talk about the other aspects of the Naomi thing here because continuation. Oh, do we have Craig, to? I just want to talk about her and Whitney kissing. I know. Well, wait. The moment when Austin's like, "I wish you were my ex." <laughs> no, that was funny. Like, I love when he just like subtly shady mentions Madison because like, where the fuck is she? Like, literally, she fell off the show. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. We got to read Danny Pellegrino's tweet that you sent me tonight. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Pellegrino tweeted tonight, it's so wild to me how Madison was in mainstream press last year because of her A-Rod thing, and then production decided to lean into scenes with Marcy doing maternity exercises on Southern Charm instead. <laughs> and to that, I say, no notes. It's a very big cast going on, and I think to Danny's point, everybody sort of feels like a friend of, except honestly for... Shep, Craig, and Austin. Like it feels like the Shep, Craig, and Austin show and Naomi who are carrying it all on their backs. And then everyone else is sort of just like a ploy, a plot in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, even though they are three of the most immature men you've ever seen on reality TV, 
they can carry a show. Like you could watch theoretically an entire episode where Craig, Shep, and Austin are just in the car. Yes. Not saying that's like what I would prefer, but they're entertaining. They're entertaining. Like they're, while being wildly embarrassing at times, they're entertaining. Which I, also, I feel like we are so kind towards Craig, but at a certain point, it's like, come on, like you gotta, you gotta just not storm off in this way. It's, no. it's what is like. Right, he is his worst self when he's drinking and around Naomi. And so to be on a trip where all they're doing is drinking and being together in a large group, it's like, it's really bringing it to him down. And I, I don't think it's acceptable that he could ever act that way. But I also think it must be really hard to like be around a trigger in this way and like feel this way at all times for him. And being on camera and being around like Shep and Austin, who also like really sometimes pushes buttons and rub him the wrong way. And it's not an excuse, but I just think like that's what we're seeing because then as soon as he gets back to Charleston and he's in his own environment or when we see him around Paige, he's like a completely different person. I almost want to say to him, like, I know you're doing all these renovations on your house. I love South Carolina myself as well. But like maybe New York would be better for you because I feel like he gets so consistently triggered in in Charleston, you know? Like the people yeah. that are the closest to him just don't necessarily bring out the best side of of him. I know. I mean, we don't know what it's like when he's not filming, but I'm I'm a big advocate for anyone moving to New York and I think it would benefit Paige, so obviously I'm team let's get Craig to New York. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to start that petition. <laughs> also, wait, the Shep and Taylor stuff and, again, Austin getting involved, which, you know, the thing that I will credit Austin for is last week he had this conversation with Taylor privately when they were in the shoe store, which I think we were really happy to see. And then this week, it's not like he did that almost in silence and, like, wouldn't say it in front of Shep. It obviously, it wasn't as eloquent this week and it was, like, in the heat of the moment, but He's still willing to tell Shep to his face that, like, he, he doesn't at all approve of the way that he handles anything with Taylor. Right. I just thought it was hilarious when Austin, Olivia, and Taylor were playing the drinking game while they were listening to Shep and Whitney's conversation because they know them so well. And instead of, like, really taking everything they overheard seriously, they were like, yeah, we know how this is going to go. We know the advice. We know that Shep is going to say some stupid shit. But also when Shep came in the room, his his attitude felt very different. Like, he really flipped a switch, and I think he had gotten so fed up with everybody talking about them, which, by the way, if you don't want everyone talking about you, like, don't be such a fucking asshole to your girlfriend, especially around a group of people who care about both of you. But I don't know. I wasn't expecting that sort of mood when he walked in the room and started whispering to Taylor in front of everybody. Yeah, he almost like reverted back to potentially like a childlike self. It was almost mm -hmm. like he was a boy that a little boy that got in trouble and now he was trying to like be cute to make up for it. It was you can really see, like, in that scene when him and Austin were screaming at each other, like, Shep's immaturity is is big. It's it's overwhelming, actually. I, he wasn't being cute, though. I thought he was, like, saying, I hate everybody talking about the, us like this sucks. You know, like, everybody's oh, oh, eyes oh. are on us. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was. I don't – wait. Let me be really clear. No part of me felt that it was, like, cute or, or like, endearing. I'm saying I felt that he, like – almost didn't know how to handle it and like yeah. reverted back to, you know, like he was like putting his head down. I, yeah. It was just, it's like, 
in I want to slap him across the face. I know. It's like, in theory, these guys have the potential to be so fucking hot. They're so tall. They're wealthy. Like, they have so many of the making. And they're charming. And they're funny and smart and charming. Like, it's just like, I want to literally, ugh. I want to put Shep and Tristan Thompson and, like, a couple other guys just in a room and say, figure it out. Wait, and Adam Levine? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. come on. We, we, we can't put Shep on the level of, of Tristan and Adam no, Levine. No, I'm That's- just – I'm making it more um a big, like, scale of, like, guys I just want to slap across the face. Well, coming come, – <laughs> In no. a non-sexual way. In a non-sexual way. No, come, Although, listen. I don't know. No. Some of them go – some of them go both ways. Not Tristan. Coming off of the Kardashian episode from yesterday where – our hearts were literally being broken in two for Chloe. Like I said this in the episode, I I don't experience hatred as an emotion and I experience it solely for Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Shep doesn't fall in hatred at all. This is solely just like a list of guys who might just need a little like slap across the face and get it together. Yeah. Wait, you know, I was really surprised that Vanita and Naomi were going at it. Like that was just not on my bingo card of two people that I – thought would be feuding and like Naomi was wrong here first of all I don't know just to tell your friend to shut up especially in a public setting is just like to me not cool but second of all yeah maybe should Vanita have not like gotten involved in that moment yeah but I I don't feel at all like she had bad intentions I felt like she was just trying to kind of mediate the situation yeah, no, I think Naomi in that moment really felt like it was Vanita taking a side and like by her in any way supporting Craig, it was sort of like knocking her down and making her argument look weaker and not supporting her, which like I understand in the moment her feeling that way. But I think after reflecting after, especially when Vanita is like, no, I just wanted to like sort of simmer it down at the table and you weren't hearing him. It felt more to me like her acting as a translator when she knows Naomi so well and she's hearing what Craig is saying and it's not being received, like putting it other in other terms to sort of help her, like, all right, let's keep this moving kind of and like you guys aren't speaking the same language. And I just think like, even your best friends are allowed to have a different opinion or allowed to say things like that. Maybe because she'd been silent the whole time and all of a sudden is chiming in to support Craig, it was hurtful, but I don't know. I just feel like they kind of made up, but it didn't really feel sincere. And I just think Naomi was upset about a lot of different things that that was just kind of like, as Kathy Hilton says, the the toe that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that if I was Naomi, I wouldn't be a little bit annoyed either because I think it did come a little bit out of left field. But the issue is that both Naomi and Craig take this as such sides where it's like, Vanita's not on a side. She's just on the side of resolve. Like everybody just wants there to be resolved because it's not a pleasant environment when they're together, which is significantly more Craig's fault. Like I would say it's probably an 80-20 or 70-30 in terms of Craig or Naomi and who's more in the wrong in these moments. But like Vanita's not trying to be on his side. She's just trying to make it pleasant. Right. I I know. I agree. I think it was like something out of nothing and I don't want them to fight because I think like we need them to be solid in order for things to work. Yeah. And you know what? I am not above critiquing Madison Lacroix. Like she is messy and not really pure intentioned and all of a lot of other things, but she makes for damn good TV. And I wouldn't mind, you know, just riling Austin up just, just a little bit, nothing crazy. Just, just like for popping in minutes. to say, hey. 
Just yeah. pop it in to say, hey, that's all. Which I guess will happen next week at Craig's dinner. I damn sure hope so. Yeah. Anyway, this listen, we always say there's some great weeks, there's some not so great weeks, a little bit anticlimactic, but me and you still get to talk for an hour, which is like my happiest place. <laughs> and guess what? We're slowly approaching Salt Lake City, Potomac. I mean, the world's our oyster here, so... It's what happens. It's a circle of life. Circle of life, baby. I'm so excited for both of those. That's Me too. Big Rob Minkoff vibes, no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, also just like hilarious. <laughs> My dad watched Southern Charm with me. And like 30 minutes and he's like, all right, I got to go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't do that. Like making someone watch Southern Charm, let alone like a really messy, mediocre episode, just – puts a bad name on what we do, you know? Like, you need yeah. to show him, like, a highly produced Housewives, like, reunion special dinner party episode to really understand, like, the gravitas. Yeah, like, I got to show him a Giselle Karen Potomac feud. A hundred percent. Yeah, okay, we'll add that to the list. <laughs> well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Remember, we're off all of next week, and then we are back until the end of the year then we love you guys